Close ain't gonna make it, man. Okay, look, he's bigger than you are, he's tougher, he's faster, he's younger than you are. He hasn't fought 22 rounds today, but you remember this. You are black. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Brynn and Jeremy. And today we are in week three of the Dark Council's reign. The first formation of the Dark Council, uh, Montage Month. Yes, a month exploring the uh, the use of montage in films as varied <laughs> as Rad and Digstown <laughs> and, and um, Edge of Tomorrow. And- Edge of Tomorrow, and uh, next week is uh, The Spook Who Sat by the Door. And uh, that's going to be the whole month. Oh, no, sorry. And then we have our own pick, which will be Team America World Police at the end of the <laughs> which month. Which is, yeah. Uh, that, that, if you are, we didn't actually say that on the bonus. I think we only, only said it to the special, the actual council. But because there is five weeks in January, if and only four a, dark council members. There, it's all it's allowed. Me and Jeremy both pick a pick, and they get to vote on which one it is. Um, and then if it's a tiebreaker, you bring in some other past dark council member. And so, between our two picks, they picked Team America. So, you can't blame me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I actually love that movie. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But um, we are not here. To talk about the Dark Council exclusively, we're here to talk about movies. Um, and this week, I want to know what Jeremy watched this week. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Bryn. <laughs> this week, uh, I'm starting to try to catch up on you know 2022 releases now that we're in award season. And I'm starting to learn what the um, the intelligentsia of this country uh, <laughs> believe to be the, the intelligentsia. Uh, the uh, what the what the uh, critic class of this country believes to be the most significant films of the year 2022, and um, obviously none of them are jackass forever, which is yeah. brutal Weird. and pathetic and miserable and just really goes to show just how fucked this country (laughs) (laughs) we just live in a sick just a sick sick depraved world yeah a society yeah we must go back (laughs) to what (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna become a return guy but for for like the era of the first season of jackass (laughs) yeah but nobody liked it then either it was less it was less respected i guess that's a whole a whole account of like of like before soy (laughs) and it's like a picture of like bam margera with his pubes sticking out with like the fucking heartogram on his stomach yeah before sjw's and it's a picture of bam getting a a dildo shot into his ass from like a mile away Before woke culture ruined Before this country. Woke culture ruined everything. Yeah, so so I'm getting caught up on on all this shit. And uh, so this week I watched the menu, 
Yes, I've heard many things about the menu, but none of of them are about what it is or what it's about. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to keep a little bit of mystery, uh, but tell me about it. Oh, are you are you trying to watch it? I think I want to watch it. Is it good? Uh, Why don't you just tell me what you want to tell? <laughs> it's fun. It's engaging. Uh, that sounds I good. Think I think politically it leaves a lot to be desired. Like I think considering how much discourse was generated around this movie and like that one article that we read where the guy was like, all these eat the rich movies are all fucking boring because they oh, all yeah. say the same thing and whatever. Which is I, eat I the will rich. Just, without spoiling too much, I will say uh, this is not an eat the rich movie. This is not a, th- there's almost no class based analysis in this at all. There's nothing to say about rich people even a little bit in this. It has much more to do with just like restaurant politics in general. Um, It's more about just like it's more just about the like the service industry and the food industry and like Mm. fine dining as a concept and foodie culture as kind of like a as as like a cultural concept. There's not really a lot of class based stuff happening. It happens that everybody in this is rich because that's where fine dining happens. But the of things course. that are being criticized on are in no way about money. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, power. Or, or, or power. Or, well, I mean, a little bit about power, but not really. Okay. Um, uh, so, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling anything. It's- so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Ray Fiennes is a like fine dining chef who has this restaurant on a private island. Um, oh, an island! He's it's like a private island off the coast of like Washington or something like that, and um, you have to take a boat there. And he's got like a staff of like thirty, you know, people who work in the kitchen and in the front of house and whatever, and they all live on the island with him because right. to go back and forth from the island would be you know too much. So they have this like compound that they all live on and they all cook in this restaurant. And um, yeah, I saw that scene, and it looks like some sort of prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, uh, you know, we we follow Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor Joy, who are there as guests, and now, there's Nicholas a couple Holt other people. Is the um, the guy from Mad Max who who sprays his? You're absolutely right, Brandon. Yes. Chrome? Okay. Uh, also known as. Um, uh, Beast from the Young X Men set from okay. like Days of Future Past and whatever. Yeah. Also known as Tony from Skins. <laughs> okay. He's British. Uh, he's British as hell. Yeah. He's very very British. Um, and uh, although I don't know if he's British in this, I can't remember now. Anyway, he's like a foodie dildo, and Annie Taylor Joy is there as his date, and she is um not a like not a foodie. She's not very interested in all this shit. Uh, and then there's other people at the restaurant. There's like John Leguizamo plays an actor. There's a couple people who are like finance dudes. Uh, there's okay. a couple there who are just like rich people who are regulars at the restaurant. Um, I think those are our main groups. Uh, and anyway, some shit transpires. It's kind of like a big, uh, it's a big dramatic showing. Mm-hmm. Um, showing of what? This is there is- violence in this movie? There is. Okay. But they don't eat people. They don't eat people. It's not. That's, the cook- uh, yeah, that's one of the biggest 
twists of the movie, I'd say, is that... <laughs> is that they don't eat people. They don't eat anybody. Nope. No eating of people whatsoever. Interesting. Uh, I guess I'm just going to fucking tell you what's up. Tell uh, me what's up. So it's like Ray Fiennes is... Uh, he decides basically that he's had enough and uh, everybody who works <laughs> for him has also decided they've had enough. And so they're using this... this uh, f- as like their final dinner it's their final performance and they are just going to kill themselves and everybody in the restaurant <laughs> and they're just kind of like putting on this big elaborate final dinner that has this whole kind of like very theatrical quality to it okay uh, but the, the the people who are regulars there they're like well this is crazy right like it's yeah, not yeah, usually yeah. like this it's not usually like this correct and um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's basically all about like they're gonna they're gonna kill themselves and and everybody in the restaurant, uh, and they're doing it through this sort of like narrative uh, meal, like a seven course meal where each piece of it is something about why he's doing it and whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, and it is it is funny. It's engaging. It's charming. It's also I feel like maybe this is a failure of the movie itself is the fact that so many people are leaving it being like, this is a class analysis movie. This is a leftist <laughs> movie. This is a movie exclusively in in my mind, at least the, the way that I left this movie is this is a movie exclusively about the arrogance of a celebrity chef, right? It's sure. all about this guy's fucking drama and this guy's whole fucking like, like, you know, it's like, like Christ complex yeah, where yeah. he's like, he's like, you eat of me, you take from me, oh. you Oh my God. made me this god in your life and yet <laughs> here i am unfulfilled and obsessed and, and like there, there's so much like melodrama to this guy where he's like like he's t- there's a part where he's talking to uh, a, a a prostitute who he basically like he compares himself to he's like you know you and i like we're we're like in the same industry essentially and you're like no you're not <laughs> no you're fucking not in what way and he like keeps calling himself a feeder like he's like do you feed or do you eat you know what side are you on <laughs> what like, but like he in no way does he ever like analyze the fact that like these all these people in his kitchen like all work on this island and they live in this compound and they live in like a prison setting basically. (laughs) Um, So it's interesting. It's an interesting analysis of that type of culture and especially interesting this week in particular because this is a story that is probably slipping by most people's radars. But um, Justin Roiland was arrested. Justin Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Roiland. <laughs> um Andrew Callahan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's um no, this week uh Noma, which is a restaurant in Copenhagen uh in Denmark, uh okay. widely regarded for like a decade now basically as like the best if not one of the best restaurants in the world. Uh it's run by this guy uh Rene Redzepi. Mm-hmm. And um you know, he like revolutionized this this kind of like type of like foraging culture where it's all about like cooking with stuff that you can get within walking distance of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's all about like foraging wild, you know, plants and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So he's like a super famous, you know, widely praised chef. And, uh, this very recently, I guess, uh, Denmark passed some sort of wage legislation regarding the use of unpaid workers. So like interns. Sorry, unpaid. Oh, oh right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you so mean like interns <laughs> or um, in, in the fine dining world, 
they call them like stages or stagiaires, I believe. Uh, okay. It's like a French word basically it just means intern. Um, but it's like, you know, rich chefs and sous chefs and whatever will like travel around the world and like do a week of unpaid work in like a famous guy's kitchen just to like get the experience or whatever. Right. Um, they're interned. And that's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, an internment type situation. <laughs> So anyway, it's been sort of like an open secret for forever that the entire fine dining industry is run on the back of stages, right? Of like course. How the only not? way that you can do this stuff, you know, like the level of like intricate work that goes into like every single dish at these sort of places, you know, you where you're like, you know, fucking like braiding ribbons of cucumber into like a little blanket to put over the thing and whatever, <laughs> like all these like tiny little like insanely labor intensive things all require like a a kitchen of like 50 people and you can't pay a kitchen of 50 people anything you know and, <laughs> Unless, and so, i mean they could because some of those prices of food are like exorbitant right oh, like yeah. they but could even feasibly. that like even with that said you know like you'd have to be and, and and so that's what happened this week basically is like uh renee redzepi of noma uh comes out and he says uh this new wage law uh means that i have to pay everybody who works for me a living wage and uh, I can't do that. It just I won't literally work. Can't. Like, yeah. it literally can't. Like literally, like the amount of money I'd have to charge in order to do that is such that nobody will ever be able to eat here again. <laughs> so he closed the restaurant. I wonder, the, like the biggest and most famous and and widely regarded best restaurant in the world closed this week because they made him pay workers. <laughs> I, I often, I mean, maybe, maybe that is true. But I wonder if that's like a protest. Like, oh, it definitely what, is. Like, what kind of car does that guy drive? Like, what kind of house does that guy live in? Like, absolutely, yes. Are you sure it, you just can't make the profit that you've been making? And, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, well, to some degree, <laughs> yes and no. I think, like, what a lot of people are saying is, like, he can definitely pare it down. He can definitely figure out, like, a version of this restaurant that works without 50 people in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. He can, or the other version of it is, he can be a cool rich guy and be like, I'm going to keep this restaurant running at a fucking tremendous loss, or I'm going to just like ruin it and run it into the ground, charging what needs to be charged as a statement to show this is what this industry does. And, and I'm going to be a leader and show you this is fucked up what we're doing. This is what the actual cost of this is. That would have been, but instead he just says like, I can't do it. I'm out of here. Peace. And so it's yeah. it's it's an interesting companion piece this week to watch the menu and to think about that story. And in fact, Brian, I would recommend uh, if you are considering watching the menu, I would consider watching it this week and reading up about the Noma thing a little bit and just kind of like have yeah. those two things floating around together as you watch this movie. Because I think like a lot of people left this being like, oh, like Ray Fiennes is like kind of like I think people see him as like the good guy of this movie. <laughs> Really? Or at least like not completely the bad guy or like he's part of this like tool of commentary against rich people. And I don't think that's the case. I think 100% what this movie <laughs> is about is chefs. So right. I, I'd Me- recommend it. megalomaniacal freaks who like yeah. think that they're some sort of Christ figure because they make food good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that sounds way I mean that sounds like an interesting movie. I mean like yeah. it it just I haven't even seen there was discourse about it, right? Mhm. Why well, didn't see it? <laughs> yeah. So I'd recommend checking it out under that context. That sounds cool. 
And then we'll talk about it more after you watch it and we'll spoil more of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch <laughs> some other stuff from last year too. We talked about on the bonus talk watching Banshees. Mm-hmm. We still haven't watched Tar. I'm going to watch all those stuff. And those will be talking about those in the coming months. This week anyway, I what didn't, did you watch this week? Well, I didn't watch anything from the uh the last year. I watched um two thirds of a three hour long film called Nixon from nineteen ninety five. Nice. <laughs> uh directed by Oliver Stone, uh starring fucking everybody. Um it's got Anthony Hopkins, uh James Woods, Paul Servino, Powers Booth, David Hyde Pierce. Uh, fucking James. I said James Woods. James Woods is in it. Um, God, it has so many people. Bob Hoskins is J. Edgar Hoover. Ed Harris wow. is Howard Hunt. Um, well, first question: How is Anthony long. Hopkins as Richard Nixon? Does it hilarious. work? It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I kept forgetting what Richard Nixon actually looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, his performance is really good. Um, okay. I think he doesn't look anything like. Richard Nixon, obviously. Yeah. Um, but well, this is a big problem, right? Is it's like it's the same thing that they came up against in Frost Nixon, where it's like Nixon looks ridiculous and he sounds ridiculous, and he's there's an insane no looking guy. Yeah. It's gonna be like in twenty years when they start making like real Trump movies, not like <laughs> you know stupid Comey letter shit. Like when they start making real Trump movies, it's gonna be the same thing they're gonna come up against, where they're like, yeah. "How do we do this without just being?" Like, cause this is, this guy's a joke. Like you look at him and you're like, no, what? <laughs> that's not what he really looked. That's and not that's real. Actually, actually had that same issue, um, with, uh, JFK. There's a couple mm-hmm. of characters, Joe Pesci's character in that movie. One of the, uh, one of the insiders, uh, the, the, the anti-Castro Cubans slash CIA agents who was involved in that whole thing had like drawn on eyebrows in real life and just looked insane. And like yeah. people even mentioned it in his, it like historically at the time, like people were just like, this guy looks nuts. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this guy? Why does he look like that? And, uh, he doesn't look like Joe Pesci, but Joe Pesci also looks insane in the movie. <laughs> um, so I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't really a stranger to Oliver Stone making, cause I, I, I watched JFK last year and I really liked it which is why I watched this movie. Um, and uh, I wasn't really a stranger to his kind of odd casting choices, which is like, who really gives a shit what they look like? Like, mm-hmm. they kind of look similar. Um, he's not, it doesn't look like he's wearing a prosthetic nose. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, is that like, you know, he's kind of doing a great, like the way he carries himself is really, really good. Um like he's all hunched over and he's like waddling around and stuff. Um, but uh, he just, his nose looks really normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unlike Nixon who has like that absurd nose. Um, but it's a, it's a cool movie. It's a movie about a guy who is figuring out like, I think so Nixon is about a guy who is rightfully it takes the side of Nixon is correct in how paranoid he is mm-hmm. because throughout his presidency he comes to understand how the American 
clandestine state works and he has been like involved in that and it goes back from like his work with like mccarthy into like working alongside jfk and like kind of understanding what happened to jfk um and then go going from like oh there's some backroom deals to like oh this is a place where i really don't have the power i thought i did um and it like it never treats him as like a a sympathetic character it 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 humanizes him a lot more than um i think even jfk does um he's sort of, it, it tries to get inside like what his motivations were for all of the stuff he was doing um mm -hmm. it goes like back to his childhood and like mary steenburgen plays his like really weird religious mom who um talks like these and thous you know she's like he you need to walk in the grace of the lord or whatever it's like really mm -hmm. bizarre um and tries to like lay the foundation for his like very right-wing anti-communist like mindset um but he's really a trumpy type of guy like his whole like well we need people who are friends and allies that's why he like met with mao and like everyone was like what you're an anti-communist uh everyone was like really confused because he was just like out for people to be loyal to him and to like make sure he had power mm -hmm. um and then ran up against the cia and got fucked uh, <laughs> um because he didn't really respect them or he like knew he he, th he thought of them as like a wild animal um really interesting movie i thought it it takes a really interesting look at how things work and i feel like really kind of explained what watergate was and like because like for the longest time i would just ask people like why did like why were the people breaking into the watergate hotel Mm -hmm. and like nobody knows <laughs> uh there's like some story i guess of just like i guess they were spying on yeah they were wiretapping the the democratic uh campaign office right it was like they're well, just they, trying to like figure out what they knew and like trying to figure out what their strategies were and shit right like yeah but i mean then nobody really knew why because it's like he just like crushed mcgovern uh right Th well that's yes that's the real thing is it's like the the big the big joke of it is that like he didn't need to do that like he could have he would have just like completely fucking washed him anyway like right so that never really felt right why would you why would you send like ex CIA guys to do that I think so the movie presupposes basically or at least purports that the reason that they're doing that is because there's a leak in mm. his uh, in his uh, cabinet and like within the White House somebody's leaking his internal secrets to uh like the new york times and and the press and stuff and so he we they know that that's happening and he's trying to figure out who is doing it and so that's why they're actually going there because it turns out to be kissinger actually or the, at least they think it is at this mm -hmm. point in the movie i will like i said i will admit i haven't watched I haven't finished it. I'm two and a half hours in and I think I have an hour left. <laughs> it's so fucking long. I'm watching it like a show. Um, but I, I mean, they, I think I've seen enough to know that I, I enjoy it and I would recommend it. Uh, the weird thing is that Oliver Stone has gone even more crazy in terms of his like filmmaking style. Like half of this movie is shot in Dutch angle. Um, <laughs> uh, 
there's so many cuts like things just go to black and white for close to no reason um mm. like it's like now it's in black and white um there's this really wonderful scene probably my favorite scene in the whole movie um where he goes to see the cia director uh dick helms who is uh just like his his office is just full of plants um and he's talking to him it's the guy from uh the newsroom uh i don't remember that guy's name aaron sorkin not that guy (laughs) (laughs) uh he uh sam watterson um you'd know his face if you looked him up but um he uh he's talking to helms oh yeah yeah that guy he's on um grace and frankie Uh uh-huh he is he's in a lot of stuff um but he's talking to him and he's sort of just like he's basically saying there's papers that you have that have to do with the bay of pigs that have my name on them Mm-hmm. And I want you to lose them and give me the original copies. And Sam Watterson is like being really cordial. And then it kind of turns to this point where he's like, if I gave them to you, you'd have all the cards. And then there's like this moment where it changes and it's like Helms controls Nixon, not the other way around. Um, and like Nixon is sort of realizing that and Helms already knows that because of what happened with JFK. And, mm-hmm. um, and then and then so they're talking about like basically from that position working a bargain of like okay well what can i do as the president to make sure you do that for me as a favor instead of like me telling you what to do and uh then he just like uh starts talking about stuff and he's like feeding his uh plants and stuff and there's like a shot where there's like the plants and then waterson like or helms like drops into frame and his eyes are just completely black <laughs> and he starts like reciting this this poem the one that's like about slouching towards bethlehem mm-hmm. robert blake it's so crazy <laughs> it's really nuts uh because obviously oliver stone hates the cia and considers mm-hmm. them very very evil um but it really was kind of shocking even to like go that dramatic with it um uh, but it, there's a lot of fun, uh, I guess, formal elements like that where he'll just like be like, this guy is a literal demon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun paranoia and intrigue in it. And I think he gets across, if you liked JFK, it's just like that on a little more acid than JFK is. Yeah. Um, it's a cool movie. I wonder um, if he'll ever make it. an Obama <laughs> I wonder it because I feel like Oliver Stone has always been really confusing to me as a as a political actor. Like mm. I don't know what he thinks. Like I don't I don't really get what he wants um, because he definitely seems to have a pretty good grasp on what America is and he doesn't like that. But I feel like to a certain extent he kind of just also thinks that like we could just like vote in a good president who behaved correctly or something. Yeah. I don't really know. He's like kind of a liberal too. It's He's uh, got a section on his Wikipedia labeled Holocaust controversy. <laughs> what does I that mean? What that could be. 
in January of 2010 press conference announcing his documentary series on the history of the United States, he said, quote, Hitler is an easy scapegoat throughout history, and it's been used cheaply. He's the product of a series of actions. It's cause and effect. Just before commenting about Hitler, he mentioned, true. quote, <laughs> we can't judge people as only bad or good. In I... response to Stone's comment about his intention to place Hitler, quote, in context, Mar- Rabbi Marvin Heer of the Simon Wiesenthal Center said, quote, it's like placing cancer in context instead of recognizing cancer for what it really is, a horrible disease. That's a stupid argument. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a terrible argument. This is, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have scapegoat said, isn't exactly the word I'd use, but I would say that he is the product of a series of actions. Right, and I think that I think and I, I think that's like a pretty, that's that's like a pretty mainstream thought among like historians and shit. Like it, in like just like a basic like public school history one oh one course, they're gonna tell you that like the way that Germany was was kind of made to pay for World War One is what made Hitler. You know? <laughs> like right. I don't think anybody <laughs> I don't think that's like a controversial thing. It doesn't mean he's good or bad or whatever. Like Right. And he says here uh, but this is what's really weird to me about Stone is that he says uh, I was trying to make a broader historical point about the range of atrocities the Germans committed against many people. I made a clumsy association about the Holocaust, for which I'm sorry and I regret. Jews obviously do not control the media or any under- other industry. The fact that Holocaust is still very important, vivid in current matter today. And then he says, I believe he now understands... Oh, someone says, I believe he now understands the issues where he was wrong and it puts an end to the matter. But that doesn't make any sense because what... <laughs> what he was trying to say is correct. Like, I don't understand that. Well, this might be, um, the quote you're reading from is, is in response to maybe this other part of it where he says, um, Stone said, quote, Hitler did far more damage to the Russians than the Jewish people, 25 or 30 million killed. He objected to what he termed, oh. quote, the Jewish domination of the media. Well, okay. to be critical <laughs> of the coverage of the Holocaust, adding, quote, there's a major lobby in the United States. They are hard workers. They stay on top of every comment. So the most powerful lobby in Washington. Israel has fucked up United States foreign policy for years. Okay, but that part's true, too. <laughs> But I think I think what it's what's more important is that he's saying or what I think he's saying is that like fascism doesn't begin and end with Hitler. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we we, America started and founded on genocide and inspired Hitler and we continued to do what the Nazis did and like literally and figuratively saved the Nazi regime and 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 ideology. So, of course, he's going to get attacked for that. He should not have said the Jewish domination of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's talking about like the Israeli lobby, like APAC is insane and evil yeah. and bad. Yeah, my man is not- really, he's what he is, is he's like, he's just like clumsy as hell. Like these are just like really clumsy, shitty, like yeah. anybody could have like just taken like five more seconds. Just right. think about it a little longer. I mean, the, 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 and I and I always like I always get that's why I like try to very clearly say what I'm talking about when I'm when I'm in these things because I don't want anyone to think I'm like anti-Jewish or whatever or a nationalist or anything because those those these things get twisted by those people. But I don't think he's that either, and that's mm. what's so weird is that he doesn't seem twisted to by be... those people, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it gets <laughs> twisted by you people. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think he's got some pretty good politics generally. 
he yeah, he's just fucking old as shit too. Is kind yeah. of part of it. He's old you know, and apparently he's kind of an asshole. And, yeah, he probably is. I wouldn't be surprised. A seventy-six-year-old filmmaker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, Makes movies you know, almost exclusively about presidents and like historical shit. Yeah, probably a piece. Probably a bit of a pain in the ass, you know. Yeah, but but he's I also like got his... a picture up here with uh, with Zizek, and uh, you know that's worth something to me. We love we love Zizek. I love we Zizek. do. Um, but yeah, I we like love him. He's very movies. funny. I love his little voice. <laughs> I am saying, I this I claim, <laughs> it's pure ideology. Um, I love that guy too. Um, but yeah, I uh, I liked Nixon a lot, um, and I. I hope he makes more movies like that because I feel like I haven't seen much of his other stuff, but besides JFK and Nixon, I guess I watch, I'll watch W next, but like, I feel like a lot of his other, like world trade center is just about like how cool firefighters is. Like, it's not about <laughs> like who did the nine 11 or anything. Um, I wish he would do more fun, like deep politics movies. Yeah. Like, he does probably... have some fun like other type of movies though. He does not really get a lot of credit for those. Like any given like, Sunday any given is Sunday, pretty good. People like that a lot. Um, um Natural Born Wall Killers Street, is people really people weird. be liking Wall Street. <laughs> I never saw it, but people be liking that. I watched Wall Street and that movie I think we talked about it actually mm-hmm. on the show a little while ago that it's just sort of like really ham fisted and like, did you know the wall street is bad <laughs> yeah but i bet they in the 80s the that workers. was like fucking crazy it was i mean i think it really was received very because i think people but... were fucking like wild about that shit back then like people yeah, were like, like damn they're so cool they're so cool they're making so much money and making money is fucking awesome it's I the think... 80s <laughs> i think that wall street was to 87 what glass onion is to 2022 mm. like it, i agree with it but it's going to seem so silly in yeah. like 20 years. Just be like millionaires, billionaires are dumb. They have so much money and they're idiots. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know. I remember liking the doors movie too. I haven't seen it, but mo- many people have uh, asked yeah. me to watch it. Uh, but yeah, so Nixon, check it out. Watch JFK first and then watch Nixon. Uh, Speaking of things that kind of rhyme with Nixon, Dixon. This week we're talking about <laughs> Dixon. Our feature presentation, Dixon. The nineteen ninety two sports comedy drama film directed by Michael Ritchie. Michael Ritchie, who did such films as The Bad News Bears and Fletch and mm. Eddie Murphy's most famous vehicle, The Golden Child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh but yeah a lot of I was, I my joke was gonna be michael ritchie who you may remember from that time at the comedy store <laughs> <laughs> he likes to put forks in people um oh uh, yeah so this guy oh, cool is Run- oh he wrote the story for cool runnings never mind mm-hmm. but i remember some of these movies coming out cops and robertson's the scout um he likes a little cute 80s Comedies. Oh, I loved The Scout. Yeah. Dude, I've been trying to remember that movie because I was just thinking about it. I was like, there's a movie where Brendan Fraser plays a baseball player. What the fuck was that? Yep, yeah, I remember Albert really Brooks. liking The Scout. It's a fun movie. I love I but love. Wow, this guy, this guy eats his dick at the box office constantly. Wow. The Scout did $2 million <laughs> on a $20 Oof. million dollar budget. 
Christ. That's probably why he. That's probably like this. He he seems like he was a victim of actually failing. Yeah. Because he stopped directing in in ninety seven with a simple wish. With Holy uh, shit. I remember this movie coming out with Mara Wilson and Martin Short. This movie sucks. It's so a bad. Simple wish. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Martin Short is some sort of. Oh, he's a male fairy godmother. He's a fairy okay. godfather. Um, but I guess they didn't want to say godfather because people would think it of the mm. godfather. $28 million budget, 8.3 box office. I think I saw this in the theater. Uh, and dude, I even, Michael Ritchie. What the fuck, dude? Even at not, uh, 11 years old, I was like, this is really The Fantastics. Uh, screenplay by Tom Jones. What? <laughs> Oh, this is, I guess it's a musical. Yeah, it's a musical romantic comedy. Different Tom Jones. Star, uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Different Tom Jones. (laughs) Different musician Tom Jones, uh, starring Joel Gray and Barnard Hughes. And this did $49,000 on a $10 million budget. He was box office poison. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This guy really just can't buy a hit. (laughs) Golden Child was a huge success, 150 million on 12. Okay, um, yeah, that's ha- well, but you got Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah. you Fletch don't get credit for that. Fletch, Fletch did was, pretty good. Yeah, all right. So, so I guess he's really he's a victim nice of like changing culture, right? He like, yeah, he like absolutely. was hot shit in the 80s, and then he kept making 80s movies in the 90s because that's what I was feeling about this movie. Yes. Digstown really feels like it's an 80s movie, and it functionally is. It's just 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, James Woods is a prisoner and a con man who is always scamming. He, his whole thing is like getting people out of prison for $10,000. I love that as a concept. So, so James Woods hustle in prison to make money for when he gets out is that he, um, is that he has a tunnel. He has a way of, of escaping prison. That's like seemingly foolproof. (laughs) <laughs> and he just charges yeah. other people for using it. He doesn't escape himself. He just charges other people to get out. It's That's such a cool so idea. Sick. <laughs> yeah, so I was fucking like, let's, cool. let's see more about this system. I know. I was pissed no, when we left the prison. It. I'm like, no, no, go back. <laughs> 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 Show me more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but no. He immediately gets out in uh, the dumbest one of the dumber scenes in the movie where he there's just like a woman shows up and picks him up and sucks his dick. I'm sorry, that fucking owned. <laughs> that was like the that was the hardest laugh I've had in a while. Because <laughs> I was like, shows up again. They hired an actress. She never just for shows that. up again. <laughs> there's nothing else with this woman whatsoever. <laughs> but like I, because like the whole problem with this movie, a, a big problem that presents itself throughout the whole runtime is that you never for even a second believe James Woods. No. <laughs> like Oliver As Platt anything. is nailing it. Oliver Platt, I 100% b- believe is this type of little scumbag and whatever. And for and sure. and everybody else basically is like pretty much Bruce Dern hitting it out of the park. Everybody is doing what you need them to do. They're believable as who they are. James Woods is not slick. He's not charismatic. Uh-uh. He's not sexy. He's not any of these things. <laughs> So like this whole beginning sequence where he's sneaking people out of prison, you're like, you're watching it and you're like, okay, this is a really cool idea. I'm ignoring the fact that it's James Woods. Show me more of this stuff. And then he gets out. I almost think that like James Woods does function as like 
a um like an annoying boss like mm-hmm. he's a he's a very like i'm running this situation don't fuck with me because i have like he I, he has this like nerdy like annoying controlling quality to him yeah when they let so, him start doing that it starts to work right but when he when he's trying to do like so when he was like sneaking people he's like give me the cigarettes don't do this don't do that go and do this listen to me i was like okay this guy's that's how he is uh but then once he's like I'm like getting one over and using my yeah. wiles to be a con or like, man. Like, I was like, like no. shit talking or something when he's like, oh, what is that? $10,000? Are you happy to see me? And you're like, you are so, you're like a charisma <laughs> black hole. This is insane. Yes. That's why <laughs> he's so, so, so he leaves. And, and the other thing to know about this movie is that like everybody who's not main cast is like, I, I just like I don't know where they found these people, but they they yeah. all seem like they are brain damaged. Like people talk <laughs> so weird in this movie all the time. The voices are so fucking bizarre. And so this guy who's who's at the gate letting him out of prison, like James Woods comes out and he's like, "All right, see you later, guys," or whatever. He like, yeah. says something stupid like that, and the guy's like, "All right, see you later, man." And he like walks out. He's like, he sees this woman. He's like, "Not even a kiss on the cheek." what a stud and then this woman <laughs> just goes to suck his dick it's so fucking funny because <laughs> it's like it really is just like you can picture the director here being like all right like i can't have them like vigorously make out or anything hot like that that would like work you know <laughs> like, <it's> like <laughs> i need something that's just like what is like what's like a hammer that i can just like take to this right now all right this woman will never see again sucks his dick just <laughs> clean right from the get-go <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> so he goes to so he okay so he was running boxing matches in the prison there's a big guy who uh was his like ringer basically and uh he's like can you go to Digstown where i'm from and uh which, which is obsessed it's a it's a fucking like a dirty dancing type of town where all they yeah. do is box yeah, instead of boxing. jesus or whatever and they named the town after a boxer there's the 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 big boxer from their town right. is named like was it frederick diggs or something like that yeah whatever diggs the diggs guy the diggs um, guy so uh charles make them digs um so he goes there to uh to to do what his friend said which is just say hi to his dogs basically i don't know yeah. why he actually does this it doesn't that i i thought he had some sort of angle on it does does oliver platt live there no, no, no. They do have an angle on this. They're already planning this this thing. I feel like th- something that happens in this movie a lot is that like there's just shit missing. Like it feels like there's yeah. scenes that they filmed that are just not in the movie. Like it happens a few different times where like something's happening and you're like, "What? Why?" Like later <laughs> later there's a fighter who like gets diarrhea and like has to like leave the ring. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what happened there? And then I go on the Wikipedia and it's like earlier they gave him a laxative. I'm like, when the fuck did that happen? (laughs) I didn't see that. I feel like there's definitely stuff in the movie where it's like they want you to find out as the audience what the angle was before. But Mm -hmm. that just leads to a lot of confusing moments until the reveals Mm -hmm. like the very last one uh, works for me. Yes. Um, we can. Who cares about this movie? But we can skip to the end. Sorry, Pfeiffer. But like <laughs> the 
you know, the like at the end of the movie when they bring in the very last ringer and it's like a guy from the jail or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just like puts the thumbs down and that guy takes a dive and mm-hmm. they finally win on like him being a con man. Uh, and they like, they con man win it because uh, he's been bribing them since before the movie started. I was like, oh, okay. We reference, we are referencing something that the, that the villain did. Um, and so I know what that means. And mm-hmm. I know that means he's on his payroll, even if we didn't see it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Really and and knowing that me. they know each other from prison and knowing that James Woods is like slick and he's always got the angle on everything and whatever, like that all perfectly works for me. Right. But There's it's like stuff shit like that like, in this movie. Yeah. But like shit, like even just like establishing why they're going to Digstown, why they're setting up this whole caper and whatever is like not really done very well. But basically they're going to Digstown with the idea that there's like this obsession with boxing there. They know this boxer because James Woods used to be his uh, manager and um, uh, they're going to Digstown because they know that they can like goad these people into doing some sort of like absurd boxing challenge. Uh, and they know there's this rich guy there who is uh, uh, Bruce Dern, John Guillaume in the movie. Yeah, uh, Guillaume. Guillaume. Uh, Bruce Looks Dern. Like Gillen. We're going to call him Bruce Dern going forward. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, so they know that Bruce Dern is super rich and they're going to try to trick him into betting a lot of money on this fight and they're going to use all their little con man tricks and also the fact that their buddy is a very good boxer to uh, win and take all his money. And that's the whole thing. And um, there's a very fun, charming little bit at the beginning where Oliver Platt has been in town for like a week just kind of like casing the place and just kind of like figuring all the angles out and whatever. And there's a scene where he's at a bar just getting shit faced. And these people are like, you want to play fucking poker with us? He's like, no, cause I'm going to like I beat all your asses. I'm, really I'm going to take all your money. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys just like, won't listen to him. They're like macho bullshit is like getting in the way. And they're like, yeah, why don't you come play with us? We'll see about that. And he just takes all their money and he like beats their asses at pool and takes his kids fucking nice ass car and whatever. And, that all works for me. Oliver Platt yeah. in this movie is like really working overtime to like make up for everybody else. I absolutely think that James Wood shouldn't exist. It should just be Oliver Platt. Mm-hmm. It, it, like he's so much more like every time he's on screen, he's so much more charismatic and magnetic than James Woods. And there's really nothing that he does that James that James Woods does that doesn't really work with that like they don't really work together very often yeah. after a while Platt is just sort of there like yeah. doing side bets or whatever and but he's not like a funny side character so he just like is kind of he doesn't really have much to do they just keep um, like cutting away to him taking these side bets just to remind you that he's like still in the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is like why is he not in the more in the movies and there's a lot of stuff better. like that in this movie where like there's just shit that like it, like there's no reason for there to be two of that guy there's also no reason for there to be this chick that they hang out with she has well, her whole, no purpose to this movie. She doesn't thing. even fuck him. Like you'd think like that was where it was going. Like I thought that was where this movie was going for sure. Was there was going to be no a romantic, romantic subplot between her and James Woods? Nothing. I nothing. Simply, this guy, this fucking slick guy who gets his dick sucked two minutes into the movie, doesn't even get a whiff <laughs> through the of rest Heather of the Graham, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Heather Graham only functions to find out about the stakeholdings of Bruce Dern. 
and doesn't even need to. He it could have been anyone else. Could have been anybody. <laughs> she is it explained how she finds that out? She no, just like, she just like goes and looks it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have had Oliver Platt do that. Why do we need? I mean, it's not like I don't know. Yeah, she is completely underutilized as Heather Graham is always. <laughs> I, I well, I was watching this movie just being like, why was Heather Graham ever like treated as though she was insanely hot? Like she's fine looking, but like there was like this time that feel like there was a period when I was young where mm-hmm. Heather Graham was just like she was cast as like Cindy Crawford or like Cameron Diaz or something. I guess all of the really hot girls were like twigs, mm-hmm. blonde twigs. Um, we loved the like blonde Heather- twig back then. Yeah, with giant eyes. Yeah, but Heather Graham just like is weird looking. I mean, like. She's not a very good actor and she's just sort of weird looking. I don't know. Um, I I think she did better later and like started doing weird uh, uh, like indie movies Mm -hmm. later in her career. Uh, So that was good for her. But I hope she's doing well. Anyway, she has nothing to do in this movie as she usually has nothing to do. (laughs) Even in like Boogie Nights, she's just like on roller skates and like, okay. Um... Anyway, so she has nothing to do in this movie. Oliver Platt has nothing to do in the movie. The main thrust of the film is that uh, this is the the whole setup of the movie is that they have this angle and they're going to have their boxing friend box an absurd amount of people. It's 10 guys in 24 hours. 10 guys in 24 hours. And... uh, but first and, they have to convince him to do it, which but is they set it up such before. a stupid sequence. It's so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but like James Woods has to go down to Texas or wherever to find the boxing friend. Yes. Uh, Honey Roy Palmer. Sorry, I, I should be saying his name. Honey Roy Palmer. He has to go down and fucking find him, convince him. His wife is like, you're not doing that, are you? And he's like, give me a minute and he walks away and we never come back to that so for all we know he just like left like put his hat on and be like let me go make a phone call and then like never <laughs> comes back <laughs> well she shows up at the fight later uh in oh, the does audience. She, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have any lines no she's, uh, she's just there just there um yeah so i like there's there's stuff like that in this movie that's a really good example of setting it not setting it up for no reason like Oliver Platt wakes up drunk and be like, okay, we set it all up. We're, we got our angle going. What did Roy say? And he's like, well, I haven't asked him. And it's like, oh, so they don't have everything together. Why, though? Like, yeah, that what does that tell everything, us about them? What everything is, it? is hinging on the fact that this guy is a 50-year-old man <laughs> who is going to like win 10 boxing matches, but he's not even like... You didn't even tell him that this was your plan? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Completely psychotic. He should have just been in on it. There's yeah. no reason. <laughs> There's no reason for him not to have been. In fact, I would say, condense those two characters together and then give give Honey Roy a little bit more, like, fun hustler angle. Like maybe yeah, exactly. He's, because they've fixed matches before, maybe he's kind of a hustler, too, and then he can kind of take up some of that, you know? Yes, exactly. And... There's really also no reason for him to be so old. Yes, like, that's true. Like if they have a ringer who's good and they know somebody who's good, why isn't he just a big boxer? Why isn't he just great and just isn't yeah. a pro? 
Like, I don't <laughs> see why he's old and washed up because it's not like we ever believe he's going to lose. That's true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> he's just fucking doming Although, you know what? There was a minute. There was a brief moment where I did think he was going to lose because I thought that what the twist was going to be was that the whole time they were just kind of like stringing this thing along so that uh, uh, all of these little bets that they were doing on the side, because they keep cutting back to Oliver Platt taking all the little side bets uh, with all the random people. I thought the bit at the end was going to be that uh, was was going to be that Honey Roy takes a dive, and then it turns out that like they had been betting against him with all these side bets, and then they were oh. just going to collect all that and leave. And that was really the plan. That would have worked too. Uh, and then what's fun about like con artist movies is they're functionally murder mysteries. Like, mm-hmm. is that, oh, you want to get tricked and you want to figure out the puzzle and how they're going to do it. So that's like a reasonable thing to think. Uh, but this is just like they try to make a con movie where the con artist is, like you said, of a, a charismatic va- black hole. <laughs> um, and it's a sports movie but it doesn't really function as a sports movie at all. Mm-hmm. Like once we get to the fights, it just, it's nonsense. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon, but that is less fun mm-hmm. uh, where he's just like easily winning against these idiots. And then once they try to like, oh, this guy's huge and it's going to be difficult. Then it's there. There's never for a moment you're like, oh, he can't do it. It's just he's yeah. the best boxer. But so so we get to the fight, right? So it's like a ten. It's ten guys against Honey Roy, and um, the first one is Buck Holland, who is a real boxer. He fights him. They just have a regular ass fight, and then you're like, okay, so I guess it's gonna be regular ass fights from here on out. Second guy, Slim Busby, who we see getting uh, bribed in the first scene, By or not in the first Platt. scene, but like before all this shit starts happening. Uh, we see Slim get bribed. We know he's going to take a dive, but he's a shitty job at it. He doesn't sell it very well. Uh, so um, Bruce Dern uh, figures out what's going on. He goes back there and he lynches Slim Busby. <laughs> That's fucking insane. That was not what <laughs> and, I was like, expecting nobody, to see like, in They don't this even movie? stop the fight. His brother is like, "What the fuck? Like you, you fucking you, you." I mean, we're literally talking about a, a a southern white man hanging a black man like with a noose, with a like noose, a like regular they- ass <laughs> rope noose <laughs> in the fucking. And stadium. then they almost do it a second time. They almost lynch James Woods too, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they put a noose around his neck and threaten him. Uh, so. I guess the implication here. This is where I started being like, no, I don't like this movie because it's like. When when they began the movie, I was like, <laughs> uh, my boyfriend described it as seeing a Bruce Springsteen cover band, like they're mm. playing all the hits, but it's just not exactly the same. <laughs> like it feels like a you know Turner, you know TNT, throw it on on a Saturday after you mow the lawn or something, and it's just like it's playing, so you're watching it. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's gonna be one of those movies, but I feel like there's a couple of things. The one main thing is that they just lynch a black guy, and it's not treated with much gravity. Like there is, like it's an intense sequence. It's not deserved, 
It's not yeah, Honey earned. Roy and, and Slim's brother both have a pretty strong response to it. But then Bruce Dern is just like, oh, wow, look at that. He killed himself. Oh, damn. And you're yeah. just supposed to be like, all right, well, let's move on back to this zany boxing movie. <laughs> Especially because the brother who's still alive knows for a fact that they killed him. They yeah. ha- He saw him in the noose and was just like, I'm going to go And he fight. doesn't say anything. And you're like, you wouldn't even like just say like he murdered him. <laughs> you wouldn't even just say it. Like you could at yeah. least have the cop then be like, I don't believe you black man. I believe the rich white guy who owns our town. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's all Add implied. some more weight to it for later. Add some more weight, you know, yeah. give us some stakes here. Maybe like <laughs> motivate Honey Roy a little bit for, for, for what's to come, you know, and, and he is motivated by it, but it's like this movie just like insists that like, we'll just get it all. But like, it, it's, 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 it's <laughs> yeah. so, it's so disjointed in the way that like it overshares stuff that nobody gives a shit about. At Uh all, you know, like how long is the sequence of like all this shit with the fucking brain dead boxer? (laughs) Who cares at all about that guy? (laughs) Oh, Diggs himself. Yeah, Charles Makeup Diggs means nothing to me or anybody. (laughs) (laughs) While Roy is working out, he notices that the the guy who's named after it is just like is drugged out or brain dead or something, and then he asks why he's like that and then he he says one of the funnier lines in the movie he's like he didn't get like that from getting hit in the head a lot and it's like do you not know that that's how it happens like yes he <laughs> he, he certainly could have he didn't yeah. but he could have <laughs> yeah very easily um people boxers die every year like i found that out recently because of the whole thing with the football guy passing out and having mm-hmm. a heart attack on the field people because were like the covid vaccine yeah, because of the <laughs> that is a very true statement. Um, and actually, in this movie, in this movie, uh, uh, <laughs> what is his name? Richard Clayton Diggs or whatever. Um, Charles Makeham Diggs. Charles Makeham Diggs. Yeah, he, got he that actually because of the vaccine. <laughs> he got the first one. Um, <laughs> he got the one that made all those bitches on TikTok shake their hands. <laughs> I can't believe they made one that did I, that to you. <laughs> you they, got they had the, the COVID one. vaccine all the way back in 1991. <laughs> you know, people don't really talk about this a lot. <laughs> Actually, Kirk <laughs> It made his head explode. His head explode. Because he got a blood clot in his neck. <laughs> yeah that's what happened uh but no he 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 he, um he asked james woods he's like what happened to that guy and he reluctantly tells him that he was uh made to throw a fight and so they put amyl nitrates in his smelling salts or whatever whatever. and uh that made him brain dead or whatever but he's not totally brain dead. He somehow gets to the fight. <laughs> he's Isn't that there. poppers? Isn't amyl nitrate poppers? Yeah, but it's yeah, like so used for. They just gave him poppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I guess you're not supposed to put it in your brain. 
I don't know. I, no, I don't that's how you use it. That's that's you what you smell do with it, it. But you don't you don't like. I don't know. Whatever. You shoot it in there. I guess you're right. Yeah. There was a period where a lot of people who we know in Brooklyn got into that, and I found that really weird. <laughs> it's like, why would you do that? Why um, not? <laughs> I mean, I guess. It's but fun. It's like, it's like doing whippets. Yes. No, that's it's like lame. doing whippets. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they do the first five fights and they lynch the guy and then uh, they take a break. <laughs> That's uh, how the movie treats it too. And they lynch <laughs> they the take brother. a break. They go home for a little bit and they come back. And uh, now uh, Honey Roy is like super motivated by having watched the guy get lynched. However, the movie decides that we as a white audience will not accept that. So instead they're like, actually, he's mad about digs and his brain damage. <laughs> so he comes back and he like one punches the first guy fucking like Goku yeah. slams his head off. And then like uh, Bruce Dern's son comes out and like does like a fake out. And he's like, actually, no, never mind. I'm leaving. Right, which they assume is uh, a forfeit, um, but it's and not. They, they say it isn't, and that's that's one of the things I really don't like about this movie. As they go on, is that like they keep just like crumpling to the rich guy, just clearly changing the rules of the bet. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, this isn't some sort of like <clears throat> science. There's no like rules there's no football rules there's no air bud to even do this Mm -hmm. the terms of the bet are only between them right and if they say okay fuck you that's not how we what we agreed upon we're just gonna take your money like it or we're just gonna leave like Mm -hmm. there's no law here like there's no rules at all so the the trying to do it like <laughs> trying to do this like well i was crossing my fingers i didn't actually forfeit it's like i'm actually bringing in this guy i found so stupid and childish it just doesn't work at all um it just feels like lazy writing like it just feels like we couldn't think of a different more interesting reason for like him to get one over on them he's just like being a bitch and they're just like well i guess that's how the script goes yeah um, <laughs> I, I i i guess we'll and then and then Roy is just too good anyway so he just it doesn't even matter they bring in fucking Mike Tyson at the end (laughs) 23 year old ripped guy they bring in this absolutely fucking ripped real boxer (laughs) who unfortunately is also a a very similarly uh, skin toned black man in black trunks with a shaved head so once they start fighting and the camera zooms out you're like Wait, who am I watching? Which one am I supposed to be rooting for? <laughs> yeah, like I said, as a fighting movie, he's not a good director. Like he's yeah. not he's he's no Martin Scorsese in Raging Bull or anything. Like no. these are just like the most basic. I, there is like one moment where like Roy gets punched and his head like goes backwards to the camera that I was mm. like, "Hey, he thought about a shot for a second. <laughs> like it's it's just really poorly filmed boxing. Yeah. Um from but most so, of so the So they movie. bring Mike Tyson in and uh <laughs> yeah. and in the in the universe of the of the movie, this is the only fighter who ever actually beat Honey Roy in a professional bout, and he did it twice. 
Uh, and he comes out and he's got, like everybody else in this movie who isn't a main character, he has the most absurd voice you've ever heard. He sounds like a fucking orc. <laughs> he sounds ridiculous. Uh, did they... He just comes out he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> like with like the deepest, like roundest <laughs> voice you've ever heard. Like it sounds like it's yeah. put through some sort of modulation software to make it deeper and more orc I think it is. It sounds crazy. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, the fucking referee the whole time you're supposed to be taking seriously when like when he's like counting out the numbers, he's like, <laughs> he sounds like fucking Captain Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> he, everyone is ADR'd. Yeah. Like everyone feels like it's it's a different voice. But they're like put ADR'd by deaf people. I don't understand <laughs> like what's happening with these voices sometimes. <laughs> yeah it's really weird so <laughs> so in a very unsurprising move he beats that guy too yeah he's um, well in this case he he looks up and he sees uh uh Diggs's finger twitch <laughs> <laughs> which motivates just him sees his finger twitch i i thought for sure when they cut up to him he was gonna like smile or be like Get him. Or like just something, anything. You see his finger twitch and, and Honey Roy is like, this is a sign from God. Yeah. <laughs> he just like wails the guy to death. Oh, and yeah. Then, uh, also, the backstory is that James Woods called the fight before and he's mad at him for that. And that's why he didn't want to do this. So he's mm -hmm. like, do not fucking throw the fight. I'll just get knocked out. It's fine. And uh, James Woods tries to throw in the towel and uh roy catches it and then yeah. throws it back throws at it him back. and then and then just like one punches the mike tyson again um so then they're like yay we win and then bruce dern is like actually my idiot son didn't actually even get in the ring so it was only nine fights that doesn't count as a forfeit and they're like yes it does and he's like no it doesn't and they're like okay <laughs> and <laughs> all right so fine then, i guess you're then, right and then the Bring last out this one prisoner <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah, who's on some the, sort of like leave from like they like the the warden like the warden like took him out for like <laughs> for like community service duty and he's like surprise actually you're boxing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the warden is like i told you i'd see you again kane gabriel kane um and then he's like yeah he's been paying him off to take a dive so he which apparently You'd think someone so slimy as to be like, well, we moved this Mike Tyson guy to the, to Digstown that day. <laughs> so that counts. Would he really be like, hey, you rigged the fight. I just watched you do it. Like, yeah. why Why would he even? <laughs> I don't really understand. The way they set up Bruce Dern, it's just like, why would he be like, okay, I lost. All right, I, mean, I, I guess lost, he doesn't. Guess. Like. The, even the sheriff has to turn on him and then he steals the sheriff's gun and tries to sh fire it around um but then they punch him out yeah um the, the, they let the uh the brother uh, of brother, the guy who got lynched uh they let him punch out bruce dern and then which that's, he should be kill he should he should have him. murdered like, him yes. yeah he should show that should have been how this movie ended um yeah. additional little thing to throw in here is there's one scene in one of these fights in the second half where uh, they're in the corner uh, watering Roy's face and whatever, and James Woods is trying to like uh, motivate oh, him, yeah. and he says like, he's, "What does he say? Like Roy, I need you to remember, 
you're black. Yeah, he says, this guy, he's younger than you. He's bigger than you. He's faster than you. But you got to remember, you're black. <laughs> and he's like, what? And he's like, I'm just trying to motivate you. He's like, you suck at motivating me. <laughs> and he, he like has some sort of like really shticky sort of like thing where he's like, he's like, you know, I'm doing like a roots thing. You know, I'm trying to do like a like a black empowerment thing and whatever. And you're like. Uh, what? This is so that? like overdone. <laughs> you're really you're just over tagging this thing that didn't even work to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it's really uncomfortable. And there is a big end bomb in this movie uh, where. Oh, that's right. The he, little uh, the, the so there's two kids who are in the fight. One of them is Brewster and Son. The other one is Brewster and Son's friend. For whatever reason, they both get to wear special foam helmets made a big thing of i'm not sure why <laughs> another right. one of those things where they just are well, like I, again i don't know why they would agree to that like it's just yeah. dumb stuff where it's like if they're trying to like why just like no find yeah. better guys then if you're so afraid about their fragile little heads it's yeah. a boxing match <laughs> yeah but uh the other young helmet boy uh drops a wild and yeah. <laughs> on Roy and, and gets, gets his shit rocked. <laughs> <laughs> so stuff like yeah. that I like. I like that part of the movie. I, yeah, but it's it, it, it feels weird because it has this real, for like the first hour of the movie or maybe 45 minutes of the movie, it feels like they're doing the 90s thing of like not mentioning race. Mm-hmm. They're in the South, I guess. I don't know where Digstown is supposed to be. I guess it was taking place in, it's Georgia? I don't, yeah, Georgia. Um, so it's in the South and, you know, uh, Roy is the only black guy. So I was like, oh, is it going to be like an angle? But then they don't mention it for a long time. So I thought it was just going to be like a 90s thing where it's just like, we're past that. We're past race. You know what I mean? Uh, and then the first thing that happens to change that is the, the the scrawny kid just being like you fucking n-word and i was like whoa hey <laughs> yeah <laughs> really just, like just like shoots through you're like whoa what <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then he just clocks him yeah. uh, and then he goes down like a pussy and then um yeah and then there's the whole lynching thing and it's just like that then they start to like every time they try to do it it's just like don't, it's the 90s. It's 1992. And don't do it. You're James Woods. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. Um, and that all, none of that stuff works. It's all really cringe and bad. Um, and then so, yeah, they they beat the guy. I guess they win the town, I guess. <laughs> they, they win, win. everything. He, the, the man has has bet every asset in his life to, <laughs> to, to, to this fight. On a boxing match that he's already losing. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Gabe Kane says, uh, what you did couldn't be done. And Roy says, now you motivate me. And then the end. Um, and that's the movie. That's Digstown. Um, that's Digstown. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say my, my takeaway from this movie was... I can definitely see if I saw this movie at, say, 10 years old, I'd be like, cool movie, mm-hmm. fun time. Uh, it's It has sort of a kid's movie kind of tone to it sometimes, like Mighty Ducks. It, yeah. it reminds me of like, I have a real big... Uh, I have a real big place in my heart for Maverick with Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster. Silly movie has some of these sort of like 
it's a big con man movie as mm-hmm. a Western. Um, I saw that movie when I was like eight years old and I was like, this movie rules. And I still watch it every, every couple of years. And it's always, it's fun for me. Um, and this movie feels like that where it's like, it's not terrible. It's, it's really bad. It's got some plot holes and like, it's not super, it's, I would say like, it's, you know, a four or something like it's a little <laughs> below average on filmmaking. The acting isn't bad, is bad, you know, yeah. it, but it's not. It's I mean, not I a- think, listen, I think it's like it's it's disastrously put together. I think it's like there's yeah. so much about it that doesn't work for me. But I think that ultimately it kind of comes together into something that was kind of a good time to watch. You know, yeah, as much as I was like constantly like scratching my head and constantly being like, why is this happening? Why am I watching this? What's going on? Like, (laughs) there's so many of those times, but I still in in the end, I was like, you know what? It moves nicely. It moves pretty okay. And and by the end of it, I'm like, all right, cool. Fun time. Watch some guys get punched. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's rickety. Um, but it makes it over the finish line. I think. Yes, it, it, it's, yes that's exactly right. <laughs> it's it's like uh, it's like Cool Runnings in that way, where like you, sure, you, you, sure you're carrying the bobsled over the finish line, but you know what, you got it over the finish line, and that counts <laughs> for something for me. Right, um, and I think I think the problem is like like Cool Runnings. Uh, cool Runnings has highs that I think don't come through here. Like there isn't. Mm-hmm any one moment that I was like, damn, that's a great moment. No, like, the high point of the movie sort is of... it's Oliver Platt in the, in the bar. That's the high yeah. point of the movie. Uh-huh. I think that's true. Um, even like the big satisfaction of winning with, they undercut it by bringing in the ring, the, the prisoner ringer who they just do away with as a bit. So it's sort of like yeah. even the, sports movie celebration doesn't really function um so everything's just undercut it's not terrible uh but it's it's just uh yeah i don't know (laughs) it's hard to hate too like there's nothing about it that's bad it's not a bad movie it's just not good like it's not like it's not done in any way that feels special to me because i didn't grow up watching it um so i can't say i recommend it no i don't think Um, i would recommend this but if it's on i don't think you're gonna like freak out and have a bad time yes uh (coughs) but don't i don't think you need to go out of your way to watch you absolutely do not need to go out of your way to watch it don't go out of your way to watch it if it's on tv keep it on i guess i think i'll go a step further and say like there's really nothing you're going to see that was really worth keeping it on. But it's also <laughs> not like something you're going to regret. I'd say keep it on. Look at your phone. <laughs> Get your phone. Yeah, I think that's where I, I think that's where I land too. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, if you like this movie, uh, Dark Council member, uh, try Maverick. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Or we The Scout. The Scout is a very similar movie. Or The movie. Scout. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also a fun movie. Um, James Woods, I realize I really don't like it. He's also in Nixon. Yeah. And I hate I, his stupid I face. I do not like him. Yeah. I, I, I was struggling tr- to, to find something I like him in, and I really don't think I like him in anything. I like him in Videodrome because he's supposed to be a weird creep mm. um, who like 
does snuff porn and he like really functions as that. Um, he's just like a gross perv who's like trying to make money and then gets sucked into a weird world of videotape mutations. You should watch a video drum. Hmm. We should do that one. Anyway. Um, that's the movie. That's Digstown. This is the second to last dark council movie of the month. Uh, next will be, the spook who sat by the door. You know, we didn't really talk about the montage because there's only one. There's and only it's one. Funct- it's, and it's, it's functionally just of what you think it is. It's just him training and yep, running. A classic, a classic montage. Yeah, very classic montage. But it, even that is done. There, nothing is brought to it, and it's only really to just get him to seeing uh, the Diggs guy uh, brain dead, and uh, that doesn't really pay off. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Not very great. So, but that's the movie. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss. Um, if you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and become a Patreon subscriber there. You will get Discord benefits. Uh, you'll get the movie we're going to review in the Discord. And you'll get a bonus episode every week where we talk about your emails. We talk about uh, the movie news, all kinds of fun things. Oh, we're, that's where we'll be getting doing the Sopranos um, this Next month. Next week, right? Or uh, the week after? I think, two, I think two weeks because it's a long month. Um, at, the, at the last wow, week of the month. Wow, long month. <laughs> <laughs> so long. I mean, it really is only the 12th. But anyway... Um, yeah, Sopranos. We are watching on the Sopranos tier, uh, and if you if you um, if you join the Sopranos tier after the Sopranos is over, you will be able to pick which TV show we watch after that. Yes. Um, uh, however, you can listen to the Sopranos episodes at whatever tier, as long as that's you're right. in the Patreon. You just don't get to vote. You just don't get to at vote. the Sopranos tier. Um, but yeah, but the bonus those will be bonus episodes, which you'll get on Patreon.com/slash Generation Loss. So we highly suggest you check that out. Also follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod and individually from there. And until next time, that's that's movies. movies.